All right, my friends, it's time for a best of list over at Altitude Universe here. And what better best of, that's a mouthful, to talk about than something X-Men related? No, this is not going to be like who's going to be performing in the characters because God if I know. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was bad. Um, we are going to kind of go old school but a little new school as well and talk about some of our favorite in no particular order. Uh, X-Men villains as far as the scariest. And I'll specify scary as kind of visually and also uh, ability-wise. Um, and with us today is the always awesome Andy from Geek Salad Podcast, who can what? be found oh. he can be found everywhere, as he told me earlier. All the fine podcast platforms out there. Um <laughs> Sorry, I went way overboard on that one. <laughs> um, all right, so he and I are going to go through, and like I said, no particular order of reasoning. Just the, the basic rule will be is that we pick these 10 characters or creatures because of visual and because of what they have done or can do to the X-Men. So let's have you start us off and begin. All right, so my... Um the first one I'm going to bring up is uh, the alien race, the Brood. This was when, I was, when I was a kid growing up and just starting to read comic books, this was like the first big long-form series for the X-Men that um, I had read. I, I remember it very distinctly that um, I, I ended up having to spend a few days in the hospital. My grandmother brought me an X-Men comic, God bless her, and it had uh, Wolverine, fighting through the infection of the brood. If you're not familiar with who the brood are, they are essentially um, Marvel's take on the aliens from Fox's Aliens without calling <laughs> them aliens. So, you know, there's no copyright infringement whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> they are essentially bug aliens with four legs and these giant venomous pincers and these huge heads and these, these nasty teeth. And they're a matriarchy. They all, all, they all, everything they do is for the queen. But what they do is they implant an embryo inside of you that will turn you physically into a member of the brood. <laughs> okay, wait, I just got to stop you there. That's, they literally copied this movie from the thing, didn't they? Like, this sounds like an A. <laughs> yeah, their lawyers have other stories about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's like, this sounds like a whitewashed version of the Aliens movie, like for younger children. Yeah, and I, I do want to point out now the brood are completely possible because Marvel owns Fox. So if that's you're... That's a good point. I, that's, a, that's a good point there. So, hey, you know, if you want to be like that, then sure. Though, though I, I, I will just, as a tangent side note, there's too many remakes of the Alien movies. I just, no. I'm going to say no. That's... <laughs> I would honestly rather see a brood movie than another alien movie. Um, yeah, exactly. I just I think though there's so much similarity though that if if they were to do it, there might be some commentary that probably wouldn't be too happy <laughs> for. But they have wings. They can fly. Oh. Um, <laughs> they are just the thing is that they are purely a terrifying race of aliens because again, it's a hive mind. It's all for the queen. Right. And right. The, just the, the fact that what they do is they are essentially slowly killing you from the inside and turning you into one of them. And they actually do this rather graphically in the, in this, the same comic book I read where Wolverine is witnessing um, a member of uh, Deathbird, who if you're familiar with the Shi'ar race from the X-Men, Deathbird was the uh, overthrew Lalandra to take over the Shi'ar Empire. One of her lackeys was a, um, a guy named Fang. And he actually, Wolverine witnesses him graphically turn into a member of the brood. And you retain, you retain your memories and you retain your abilities, which is why the X-Men were such key, you know, bait. They were, they were such key victims. Right. For this because they would essentially have been mutant brood. And just in general, I mean, you go on Google, just do a Google search for, for Marvel's brood. And they're just scary. They really are scary looking. I can't. Honestly, well, actually, I, while, you, while you were talking, I, I went to Google to look it up, and, I was, and you weren't kidding. They look, they look just like the alien from it. it. It looks like the main one that Sigourney Weaver fights, like not even just any alien. It looks like the queen from the aliens' movies. Well, then, 
Fox is stealing, and uh, you know what? I'll, I'll throw this out here. James Cameron was stealing from Marvel because the Brooder introduced in '82, and um, Aliens came out in '86. Aha! All right, all right. I didn't. Yeah. All right. You. You. <laughs> we, we've now started a revolution right there. So we have exactly, and that's James Cameron stole from Marvel. <laughs> it's, he doesn't care anymore. He has Avatar, so he can. You know. <laughs> Does anyone really have universe. Avatar though? <laughs> what? What'd you say? Does anyone really have Avatar? That movie I don't was. Think anybody wants Avatar? Well. To be honest. <laughs> What's that? I don't think anybody wants Avatar. To be honest, I wouldn't want Avatar. That's just uh, no, funny. no. That, that that's another show for another day, though, because I could literally go off on it for an hour. Oh, I know that. Well, I'm sure when the sequel comes out, we'll do we'll do a thing on that because you know we we have to just it's, because it's, it is a date. I am I'm down for that. So all right, you've heard it here, folks. In like five years, when it comes out, we're going to be talking about it. It's never coming out. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's too funny. All right, so all right, cool. Okay, so um, yeah, I mean th th that's a great one to start off of. I think every good comic has some sort of alien creature in it right like some sort of good villain that's just pure alien yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and it, i think they're scarier than stuff like you know the kree or the scrolls i mean the scroll that, that which are scary in their own you know ways right it's kind of it's it's more of a the the i forgot i always get the, the scroll yeah this the the imitation the scrolls can do is creepier than uh, visual horror because of what they can do playing somebody else. Right, exactly. And there so is kind of, which, okay, now, for, I mean, again, Captain, the Captain Marvel, it, the first one, I gave it credit. It, obviously, there's going to be more story in the sequels. I don't think they portray them as full as they could, but if they do do, like, the Secret Wars, and they do stuff like that, we'll probably get a better visual of them doing what they do best. Right. And that's, you know, I, I, I hope I'm not spoiling this because there's going to be a major spoiler here um, in regards to a certain movie that just came out a few weeks ago um, <laughs> and a certain reveal that could very well come up to Secret Invasion. Um, I, yes, uh, we, we won't. I mean, I think people know what we're talking about, but just to be polite, we won't specify. But if you guys out there know what we're talking about, it pretty much leads itself to one one thing and one thing only, and that's what you just said. So <laughs> we'll leave it at that, but yes, there's a high possibility that there's going to be something of that sort. Right, right. And I also, I also think, and just one last thing about the brood. What, what's interesting is, again, for most of their alien races in Marvel, they're anthropomorphized. They're just human beings with different skin tones, or right. they, they all, they, everybody stands on two legs, and the brood are bugs, big, nasty bugs. And that really, I think just that ramps up the horror too. All right, no, I, I yeah, I give you that. Honestly, that picture I saw, that is now ingrained in my brain forever. Like, <laughs> I did not wanna, I did not wanna see that, but hey, you know, <laughs> you have to, you have to, right? All right, yeah. so going from creepy bugs to, I guess the OG mutants, um, if you guys can't figure it out, my, my next pick or our next pick is going to be Apocalypse mm. um, for the kind of opposite reason. Um, we'll, we'll do, we'll talk about the movie vaguely in a minute, but, um, the back, the, his backstory is basically, he's the first ever mutant number one. He's the guy that did it all. And, you know, because of that, he feels like he's got the right to do whatever the hell he wants. Um, he's had the dark, the Horsemen, which for those who know any other uh, religion and culture, it's the uh, uh, different versions of death and, and bad and all this bad stuff going on. Um, we can go into the Horsemen in a second, but um, I think we put him on here mainly because without him, majority of the stories wouldn't really be around, I think. Um, you can say that you don't need him because... There's plenty of storylines without him, but I think to be fair for the writers, you know, when they first drew him up, 
he is bit, he's more important than people give him credit for. And unfortunately in his first movie, it didn't show him in the correct light. So I don't know what, what, what aspect of him do you think is the most, I don't know, important to the X-Men culture? I think that it was a slow burn and a huge build, which led to the eventual age of apocalypse in the nineties. Okay. Um, pretty much apocalypse dominated from like 1985 to the very end of the decade going into the nineties. He was really their big bad. And there was so much about the character. Then this is a character that grew from just being like this kind of just mysterious mutant that had the ability to uh, manipulate the molecules in his body. Right. If, if you, I don't know if you ever saw his first appearance, but he didn't have horsemen. He had like these four really like low rung mutants that he, he had. I, kind of I believe that they referred to him as the boss until they finally, you know, revealed who he was. And he just kind of was kind of silly and foolish and then when the mutant massacre happened, or yeah, it was a, it was the mutant massacre, um, Apocalypse kind of jumped in and uh, grabbed the characters that that managed to survive and turned them into the most deadly of the four horsemen. You had War, who could just clap his hands and things would explode all around him. You had Famine, right. who could just touch you and just emaciate you. Death. Um, or Pestilence is what her name was, because she was Plague as a Morlock. And then um, taking Angel, who, you know, this longstanding original X-Man, took his wings from him, gave him those metal shears for, for wings, and gave him new purpose as essentially his harbinger of doom. And it was just such, it was just such great storytelling and yeah, it's it just, they kept building and building and building where he started off as kind of like this, just another schmuck for X Factor to fight and right. then turned into just this, just one of the classic big bads in comic book history. Yeah, I mean, and, and, I th and like I said, the movie doesn't do justice. And I, and I think that's one, one issue. And, and I mean, we, we as geeks know better, but one issue is, is that you have to, you have to go back and read this to understand it. It's, he's not just another character. I mean, according to Fox, he's another character, but he's not just another dude. He's got more backstory than it's given. And unfortunately he, he's one of the guys that you can't just go into without reading about him. Cause you're going to not, you're not going to understand it. You're going to be like, Oh, he's a bad guy. Yes. He's a bad guy, but there's, there's more to it than just, He's one of the, you know, it's, it's kind of like you got the Spider-Man villains and the Spider-Man villains. You know, there's the ones that Spider-Man battles that nobody cares about. And then you have like the Sinister Six. Without, without the Sinister Six, you wouldn't really have Spider-Man. Right. So right. Apocalypse is like that. He's the, and, and it's funny because he's not, he's physically not really scary. Like he's, you know, he's blue, which I guess could be weird, but He's not physically scary, but he's the way he can manipulate people. I think is what makes him fear uh, very uh, f uh, fear fearing of. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know, in regards to the movie, I think the introduction, the origin of them burying him in the tomb and everything, that actually worked really well. My issue really was that he essentially just enlisted the first four mutants that you know should have walked into his path. And that's not right. how comic book apocalypse is. He was very, very discerning. Um, you can make things explode. You are my god of war. You can literally kill people with your touch. You are now pestilence. You know, right. instead of being like, hey, you can make you can make lightning and rain. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, and Magneto, you have to join us because that's that's just your story arc in this one. Yeah, I, I I don't know. That was a weird that, that move. I mean, none of the Fox movies made sense, but that was just a weird. I kind of feel like it would have been a better movie had they given it two movies and really let it marinate. Right. It, well, it hey, I mean, great. Who? I mean, we may, we'll, we're getting a new version of all of these guys, so maybe 
you know, they'll, they'll do it again. They'll fix it, whatever, but we'll see what happens. So, um, but yeah, so that's, yeah. So that's the next one that we put down just because, you know, without him, you wouldn't have, have the storyline. So, um, and he was so dominant. I mean, that's the biggest thing is that he really is the most dominant non someone else will be brought up later on villain in the last 30 years. Okay. All right. That's a good point. That's a good, good, good little, uh, good little tease right there. Uh, <laughs> all right. So who is next on the list? Next up on my list is Celine, who was introduced in, again, in the mid eighties um, during the John Romita jr. Uh, tenure. And she is essentially a psychic vampire who became oh. a member of the hellfire club. That's fun. Oh, yo, the hellfire club is just such a great, like, I, I love rich villains and this like stupid rich villains and they, their wealth and their power are really what make them evil, not their abilities. And Celine is essentially this, this vampire that, and this is where it gets scary is that all she needs to do is absorb your essence and you just crumble into ash. And every time they would show her, take a victim, you would just see, you would, see their their face just crumble and this is really graphic stuff for um marvel in the mid to late 80s because they were really not doing a lot they weren't taking a lot of risks in terms of that but right uh, her nemesis was rachel summers and it's some amazing stuff there and the fact that she was able to manipulate the um the hellfire club into letting her join their ranks and become their black queen uh taking over from jean gray uh, she's just, she's again, she's a, just a terrifying type of villain because it's just, it's, it's so fast and so unexpected and you are dead. You don't have a moment to respond to it. All right. So I definitely think she's up here just for the sheer, probably horror connection of... You wanted scary, man. And I just read a whole bunch of these on Marvel Unlimited. I'm like... Oh yeah, Celine's going on the list. No, yeah, no. I mean, it's and actually, and what's and actually, what's funny because while I was looking up some random trivia, apparently the Underworld character was based on this Marvel character hmm. of the same name. So if you remember the Underworld series and uh, what's your name, Kate Beckinsale played Celine. Yeah, the name came exactly from the comics because she too in the movie was part vampire or whatever. Um, so. So, I mean, that's kind of cool too, but yeah, so I definitely think she's on here mainly for the, for the horror factor because generally any culture or, or storyline with vampire, there's always going to be some sort of uh, fear to it. And yeah. I think what's funny is that you don't really need to have any power. Just when you say the word vampire, it gets people uh, caught off guard and gets their attention a little bit because they're like, oh, okay, that's interesting um it's kind of like morbius i never thought of morbius as cool but then you you know you find out he was a scientist he got bit by one of his animals now he's a half whatever and i'm like oh okay that kind of plays off the old black and white you know um vincent price vampire stories right and those are always creepy even even though nothing happened they were just creepy because they were creepy absolutely yeah so so that's a good, so I like that. So that's a good one. Um, and actually, in a weird way, that kind of helps with the next one, a really good crossover, because the one I'm going to talk about, the, your character was actually in her movie that just came out, um, The Dark Phoenix, um, which is, I just call it the alter ego, alter ego of Jean Grey, because that's <laughs> the easiest way to describe it, honestly. So you don't really need to see the movie, but if you have, basically she... The Phoenix Force, which even though I look it up and I read the words, it's still really hard to explain verbally, but it, it just like, I don't know, it seems like just really lots of extra power, <laughs> you know, like in the body. Um, she ends up going bad, hence the Dark Phoenix. Um, and for the first time, oh my God, the X-Men have to fight against their own. Oh no, what do they do? I'm sorry, I just thought that was the stupidest plot line for anything whatsoever. But... <laughs> um, So we saw her in the 90s version in 2003 of X2 uh, with, um, what the hell is her name? Can't remember her name. Franka Johnson. Thank you. 
uh, playing Jean Grey. So we saw her come out, and then, of course, spoiler alert, you know, Wolverine was the only one that was able to get her down because he's the only, he's the only one that could actually handle the power without dying. So you remember that really stupid scene, right, where he's like... I, you know what? There's a reason why Logan is the greatest of all X-Men movies because it's really the only one that never forced that Logan and Jean Grey thing down our throats. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, well put. So, okay, so... Um, yeah, so basically, the, the, the... You know, she makes her go mad with power. Um, and the X-Men have to fight against her. I put, I put her on this list of my, of my five of the half of them because even though it's kind of a campy cliche thing, it is always interesting when you make a good guy go bad and you make the rest of the team have to battle against a friend and you have to have them decide whether or not you kill them, you don't kill them, you save them, you save the world. So I put I put her on here because she's a very anti scary scary villain. If that makes any sense. Well, if you actually look at her abilities and what she is capable of doing, um, in the kind of one of the introductions of the Dark Phoenix character, she actually drained a star because she needed to. She needed to absorb some kind of energy source, the amount of power she needed, and essentially it was a sun that she um, wiped out an entire race of aliens, like an entire planet. Okay. Evaporated. Just because she had no idea what she was doing. She just needed the power. She took it, and it was so easy for her to do that. The, uh, okay. And that's the interesting thing, too, is that that, that Phoenix character... Now, I, I did not see... Um, I didn't see this new Dark Phoenix yet. I, I'm an idiot, so I will see it eventually. Um, but I don't. I, I'm assuming that the Phoenix is actually Jean Grey, right? Not like the um, the way that. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't. I really didn't finish it because I just. I. I couldn't. It was really whatever. But the way the movie did it was, it was basically the 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 what the hell is the word? The like you just said, the star power. Yeah. Is what got her to kind of go crazy, and it was just too much force at once for the body to handle and it just like it's it's i guess to me it was similar to like the hulk thing where the radiation doesn't it doesn't change his mind as bruce banner but unfortunately too much of one thing will cause a bad reaction and that's what the movie made it sound like was that too much anger makes her explode and you know all the power just, you know what I mean? Like she just has the ability to do whatever the hell she wants to because nobody stop, nobody can stop her really. Right. And I think, the, I think the comics did the same thing, sort of. I, I know there was the, the, like the three-part episode of the cartoon that did it and they did the same thing there too where they made her super powerful. Other than that, it's, I don't know. It's, but like I said, it's scary because it's, you don't really know what's happening. You don't really know who's who because I think there's even parts where she wakes up and is like, what, 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 did, what just happened? Like, I don't remember a thing. So it's like, how do you deal with a villain that doesn't know it's a villain? Well, yes, absolutely. That, that's a great way of putting it. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, so that's, that's really, I mean, that's really all I have on that. That's not, I, I, I guess, you know, scary is loosely used here, but I think what makes it frightening is that she doesn't know what's happening. They don't really know what's happening. She can't remember some things. And it's just a whole lot of no good <laughs> going on. And yeah. that's I, I really do. the basis of it. I, you know, I, I would say read the story, watch the cartoon. Other than that, wait till MCU does it again. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, and that's uh, you. You brought up a point that I really want to implore your listeners: go find this. If you have Marvel on the Marvel Unlimited app, or you have access to the trade paperbacks or anything, read this 1980 Phoenix Saga. Um, it's Chris Claremont and John Byrne. It is amazing. And the one thing, the one, the one side effect though is that you're going to be super, super pissed off at how those other two Phoenix movies went. <laughs> 
Nothing angries up the blood more. <laughs> I know. I, um, that, that, that's a story for another day, too, right? <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. So now moving on to your next one. Yeah, this one, again, um, Romita Jr. series X-Men, Nimra, the Ultimate Sentinel. Um, again, terrifying because the Sentinels in and of themselves, at least in the comic books, were never really presented as that much of a threat. You know, they're big, tall robots. Yay, they, they do their thing. Nimrod was sent from the future. Uh, again, this is to hunt down Rachel Summers. And he's, he's essentially just indestructible. There's a point when the X-Men and the Hellfire Club have to team up to battle him. And they manage to make him explode. And he just reassembles himself, like, right on the spot. All right. Okay. And it's just, like, there's always a counter for everything. They had, um, I, think, I think the character was the Black Rook who was essentially, he, they would turn him into essentially this feral beast, and he just leaps after Nimrod, and Nimrod just sticks out his hand and evaporates him. It's just, he's just scary powerful, and I think you got a very good look at what the potential for Nimrod was um, in the movie Days of Futures Past. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I was gonna, when, when you wrote it, I was going to say, you get that. But, I mean, they were very loosely used there too i think right and actually when i saw the trailers for uh, days i was i was really oh my god they're bringing nimrod in this is awesome but it's just again in terms of just the terror he has this ability also and something i didn't bring up that he does have this ability to kind of meld with human beings and he lived with this family in um in the bronx He's biding his time, waiting to strike, and it's 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 weird that he could have some kind of a sympathetic bent and just be a murder machine. Interesting. Okay. All right. But yeah, very very cool character. Um, again, I implore you check the books out. It's it, he really is really cool. Um, I don't have much knowledge of him outside of the the mid to late '90s stuff. So I don't know if he's still being scary or if they've just kind of like taken him down a couple of pegs. You know, I th honestly, the last time I think I saw him majorly was in Days of Future Past. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't, I'm, I'm being a bad nerd. I haven't kept up on a lot of the comics lately, but as far as I know, I haven't seen him or the other Sentinels popping up anywhere yet, but that doesn't mean that they're not out there. But I think, um, Nimrod, I would still be the the go-to scary for yeah. still. Yeah. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm going to say, and if you guys out there, if I'm wrong, you know, let us know. Comment below. Let us know what you know. Um, but I'm going to say what you wrote. I think that's perfect. I think you're right on, uh, right on the dot on that. Awesome. Um, cool. So this is going very smooth. Nice transitions, everything. We like to be professional, even though we're not. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Oh, wait, I gave that away. Oops. Um, okay, so next one is a little weird, um, mainly because he's used in two ways. Um, and I always, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Dawkin. Dakin, I don't remember. Um, uh, I think it's Dakin. Dakin. I, I was going to say it wrong, I knew. Um, so he is the kid of Wolverine and his late wife. Because, um, of course, you know, Wolverine's had many lovers, I'm sure. Um, I mean, just look at the guy, right? Um, just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, I, uh, as, as a person himself, he's, I call, I call him the evil Wolverine. He's, you know, he's, he's not a nice guy. But what I really like, and this is another storyline that people have to check out if they haven't, the Dark Avengers, when the, the, bad guys come together to pretend to be the Avengers in order, because for some reason the Avengers are out of town for the week or whatever. Um, <laughs> the dark Avengers come in to pretend to be them and they're playing the characters. They're playing the good guy versions of them. So Dakin, however you pronounce it, plays Wolverine. Um, at some point though, the, the real Avengers do come back and then there's, you know, a brawl between everybody and everybody fights and all that. Um, 
I don't know. Creepy, I think, more is, is the visual on this one. Um, he's deaf. Uh, he looks, he's similarly, similarly drawn, in my opinion, like the Batman with the dark colors. Um, you know, the black and the very, very dark tones. Um, and I think what makes him scary in this sense is, is visually mainly, mainly visual. Um, but when you add, if, if Wolverine were to be a bad guy, that's also kind of creepy on its own. Wolverine has anger issues. Wolverine is strong. Wolverine is not a nice guy. You make him a bad guy, you would be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's why I put him down. So what, what do you, what do you think? I, I don't know much about Dakin other than, you know, reading the Wikipedia stuff and reading, I mean, Wolverine is one of those great characters that if he could be turned, he would be terrifying. So taking, taking Wolverine and putting an additional chip on his shoulder, um, that is legitimately a scary, scary aspect. Um, you know, we've seen what his other technical offspring, X-23, can do. Um, going back to the movie Logan, she, again, is a murder machine. Um, so any, any, anything that comes from Wolverine's loins is definitely not going to... It's going to, have a, it's going to rack up a kill list very quick. Right. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot to add on Dakin just because of that. And yeah, no, he, he's a very awkward character. I didn't, I didn't think we'd have much uh, either, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like every character's got like evil version of themselves. Right. So. I mean, that's what makes it interesting, I guess. Right? If you didn't have yeah. that, then why bother? So, you call yourself a top tier superhero, Wolverine. Where's your evil doppelganger? Exactly. Well, yeah. Well, and that actually, funny enough, kind of goes back to like the Secret Wars idea, where it's like they, you know, you can make Wolverine, but he wouldn't, you know, he would still look like Wolverine, but you wouldn't realize he's a scroll. So yeah, you know. Right. Um, okay. Cool. So I'll pass it back over to you for uh, your uh, number four, I think. Yes. Yes. Let me pull my list back up here. I was on Wikipedia for Dakin there. All right. Next up on my list is Mister Sinister. Ooh, uh, all right. The other half of the 80s villains. Um, I had mentioned earlier when talking, when we talked about Apocalypse, about the Mutant Massacre, and Mr. Sinister was actually the catalyst for that. He is the one who sent the Marauders down to the Morlock Tunnels to murder all of the Morlocks. And oh, that's nice of him. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, but he's just, he's such a fantastic, fascinating character because... He, he's kind of like this man of mystery. Um, and then when you learn more about uh, Nathan Essex and how essentially his, his, his mutant powers have kept him alive for centuries. And he's just, he's such a fantastic villain because again, just like Apocalypse, he can manipulate people to do what he wants. And he, he picks, he really does pick the best people for that. Um, well, I was going to say, doesn't he try to do something with Cyclops at one point? Yes, yes. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he also, um, he was the one who created the Madeline Pryor stuff where she became the Goblin Queen. He essentially okay, right. created, remember that. Yeah. He created this fantasy world for Scott Summers where he was married and happy and had a kid. And, you know... The way X-Men logic works out, sure, that was all real to a point, but Cable and the Goblin Queen later. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't you love our niche? Oh, good Lord. I stopped reading comic books for a, a period of time when they got too expensive for me based on my, um, my part-time high school job <laughs> salary. So I, I, I missed out on a lot of stuff, and now I have to be very selective about what I invest myself in using, like, you know, I mentioned the Marvel Unlimited app, using that to catch up on everything. And it right. really is tough for certain characters, but there's some fantastic standalone stuff with, um, with Mr. Sinister. And he just, he's got that really great look where at first glance, he looks like an utterly flamboyant colossus. Um, <laughs> but then you just get like 
some of the Alex Ross stuff and some of the other artists can really render him with the fangs and just, he just looks like death. And it's just, he's so, you know, he fits in with that scary type of character. Right. No, I'm, I'm trying to look up and see who voiced him because whoever voiced him in the cartoon was spot on. Um, I don't know. I've never heard of this guy, but it, it always helps when you get a good voice to, you know, really bring out these characters, right? Yes. Um, but yeah, no, you're, I'm, I'm picturing the car. I'm just picturing the cartoon of him like walking and he just has like this smile on his face and he's just like, he knows he's an a-hole, but he's like happy to do it. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to kill you anyway, because why not? That's what I get fun. Exactly. Uh, the interesting thing too is that this, he could have easily just been other apocalypse. Their, their powers are insanely insanely similar okay, but I think he's done a good job of, of splitting them and giving them their own things I mean they're both introduced leading groups of other mutants um, but taking you know letting Apocalypse with the Age of Apocalypse and uh, all the stuff with Mr. Sinister and Madeline Pryor it's just they really did a great job of defining giving them different uh, definitions if you will alright alright I'll take that that sounds fair. All right, so I will move on to mine, I guess, then. Sure. If you want weird, I think I have them for you. Um, and kind of, and scary, too. Uh, both visually and actually how he became. Um, Onslaught, speaking of Mag Magneto-esque from before. Uh, oh. So Onslaught visually, actually Onslaught visually isn't really necessarily scary. He looks like any other giant robotic, like armored person. He, you know, he looks like he came out of a Mega Man video game. Um, I'm, I'm dating very badly now. No, uh, so Onslaught is the mind of Xavier and Magneto together. Um, and I had, I had to go back and find the, uh, the book, but apparently in this particular one, Xavier's trying to shut down Magneto and in the process ends up blending his mind and Magneto's mind together, creating what could only be the most bipolar, misunderstood, God knows what the hell's going on in his head guy. Um, you have Magneto, mind who obviously believes every person should die you have xavier who's who's good but of course you know every character has a, a dark side so that's that's the scary part you put two way too strong characters together to get him i don't i don't remember how they killed him i had i'd have to read it again i don't have it on me right now but I mean, that's one of those things where I don't know why they invented him because I feel like you almost can't get rid of him. Like, that's how strong he was. Yeah. So what do you what do you remember on him, if anything? Um, I mean, for the most part, I just remember the, the, the blending of the characters and having that just be the worst possible thing ever. I mean, you're right about Xavier's dark side. Xavier, forgive me for saying, is kind of a dick. Um... And just the, the fact that he, 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 he means well, but he doesn't go about doing things the right way, whereas Magneto does not mean well and is, is flawless as to his execution towards things. Right. And blending those two together, I mean, you're right. Honestly, it looks like a boss battle from like Marvel versus Capcom. <laughs> um, date myself now. And, uh, it's just, it, it just, it's, it's just interesting because that psychic omnipotence that he has is just, it's a dangerous tool um, for any, any character to wield, especially something where the X-Men who are so, just the, the psionic powers are just prevalent throughout. Where at the right. same time, you know, there, there are certain times when you can be like, okay, well, he appeared for a short period of time. Fine, it's not like The Flash where every one of his villains is a, uh, a speed-based guy. Oh, but that's just so much fun. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's why I stopped watching The Flash. So, <laughs> well, actually, it's because it's funny you brought up the uh, Xavier thing because another show that's still on on FX Legion, one of the episodes that just came out um, showed like a young because 
for those who don't know, Legion is like one of the kids of Xavier. Um, and there's a, one of the episodes where you see like a young Xavier before wheelchair, before everything. And he makes a comment like, I hope he doesn't turn out like me. And I'm like, well, you don't seem like a bad guy, but then you forget that. Yeah. Xavier has done some sketchy stuff, <laughs> you know, in his lifetime. So yeah. Like the group of X, the mutants that he sent before he gathered the X-Men in giant size X-Men one to go rescue the original team. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that actually is a thing. If you, um, I don't remember the exact series. I don't remember the character. There was like a third Summers brother. <laughs> and this, he got sent with a bunch of other char- uh, of other mutants to go rescue the X-Men from um, Kratoa, the living island. And they were killed. <laughs> they well, were all wiped out. Um, and then he then brought in the second team, which included Wolverine and Storm and Colossus and Nightcrawler and, you know, the classic X-Men. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm trying to look it up. I think I know you're talking about, though. Yeah, it was like the old, old school, the uh, before the ones we knew. Right, exactly. Before the good ones. They got rid of the other ones. They killed them, and they got the new ones instead. They're like, we don't need you anymore. Exactly. We often kill you, because that's what we do. That's what comics are. <laughs> though, as they say, nobody ever stays dead, so. Right. Well, that's, that's Marvel. That's why, you know, Toad asked, why, why don't you just stay dead? Yeah, <laughs> Because I can't. Uh, All right, so off to your final one on your list. Yes, my final one. This is one of the, again, a Wolverine villain. Um, Sabretooth, who I have always found to be way scarier in the comic books than has ever been presented in a movie. Okay, interesting thought. All right. There are so many great Wolverine and Sabretooth stories. Uh, Sabretooth is actually one of the Marauders in uh, the Mutant Massacre, which oh, is really okay. kind of cool. Because he'd uh, been introduced before, but I wasn't familiar with him until I read this. I didn't realize he went that, back that far. I thought he was... All right, that's cool. He goes back further than the 80s, which I, I found very interesting. But yeah, he's just... He's so cool because, again, this is your first evil Wolverine, but the powers aren't exactly similar. Like, he's just got, like, the long Talon-style claws. He doesn't have the adamantium, you know, the big, you know, snicked claws like uh, Wolverine has. And he's just, like, he can get into Logan's mind because they're both killers. Right. That that Creed, Sabretooth, is just an inherently evil human being and he gets off on it. He gets off on killing people. And there, there's the thing where he slashes at Wolverine and he actually licks his blood off his claws. <laughs> He's like, tastes good runt. And then <laughs> mm, yummy. The 80s, back, back when Wolverine was only five foot one. So <laughs> oh Lord. I'm, I'm looking up though. I, are they sort of related in a weird way? Like it's always been alluded to that they are related in some way, shape, or form. Um, origin, um, the the origin story for Wolverine kind of alludes to that being um, what the uh, I think his name was Dog, or yeah, I think it was the character's name was Dog, and he was Sabretooth. Okay, all right, this yeah. lifelong grudge against him because of you know what happened to his his father and he got these tremendous scars on his face um yeah check out origin if you haven't it's it's a great it's a really satisfactory um explanation of of how wolverine became wolverine right yeah i remember that one it was i I mean it had its moments i definitely would i would give it probably like an eight out of ten um as far as an origin story goes um but yeah, no, I was just thinking that because I know like in the movie they did it. I know in, like in the cartoons, there were some episodes where like the two of them would be there in the room and they gave off that like, you know, like our parents wouldn't be happy if you did it. You know, like one of those type of like not nonverbal things. Like it just felt like there was some familial thing. Right. I don't know. But um, yeah, no, Sabretooth, he def- I'm hoping they'll redo him better visually in the new movies um 
the people they got to play him so far, not my favorite, but that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, no, Saber, Sabretooth, and I, I love the ones based, like, the, the characters based off of legitimate, like, animals and stuff like that, too, because they literally, that's what they are. Like, these villains are just humanoid creatures sometimes. Um, like, I, I know this is kind of a silly one, but, like, uh, the lizard in Spider-Man, yeah. as stupid as he is, it's probably one of my favorite villains, just because, like, literally, he's a gigantic walking, like, gecko. It, you know, it's dumb, but it's fun. And that's why I like Sabretooth, because he's kind of a silly character, but he's pretty badass looking too. Like, you know he means business, even if he looks like a guy wearing a lion's coat, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I think visually they need to improve a lot on the movie. The powers have been okay. It's just that they, again, haven't made him a compelling character. Uh, Liev Schreiber is... I hate to say he's a far, he's a better actor than the material given to him when he played him. Um, and then Tyler Maine, who played him in uh, the first X-Men movie, was just, just dreadful. It was just like, okay, I'm going to pull five villain names out of a hat here. And <laughs> whichever one you pick is there, you get is the one you're going to be. No rhyme or reason. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what are you going to do? But, um, no, it's a good one. I like I like Sabretooth, I think, by far still sticks with me in, like, my top ten all-time memorable characters for one reason or another. doesn't necessarily mean he's good. It's just he's always been a key to the X-Men, and probably because of Wolverine. Without Wolverine, you probably wouldn't need him. Right. But that being said, um, because we have Wolverine, Sabretooth plays a – fairly big role um you know i can see them doing if they wanted to some sort of weird like you know he has to help them for some reason like one time you know like they do for other characters but i don't know but yeah Sabretooth, uh i like that one that's a great one to end on and um now we'll switch over and this one you actually told me to do last so i am heating it's, your it's your, only right it is only right that you do it this one last do this one last so we are gonna go with the all-encompassing Magneto. Yep. Does not mean, need much of an explanation, but for those who aren't nerd-wise, I will give you a quick rundown. Um, he and Xavier are, they are the best of friends. They really are good friends. They never stop being friends. Um, he is of Jewish origins, so he was, they did put him in a concentration camp, which for me personally, because being you know, Jewish, was an interesting, interesting story to read. I never expected they'd ever use something historically strong in something like that. Luckily, Stan Lee and Kirby, who I think are also Jewish too, yes. made sure to do it in a correct way where it wasn't going to be insulting because, God forbid, you know, something happens. But luckily, them two as writers and artists, they knew how to do it. So thank God for them. Um, <laughs> Basically, where Xavier has his power of telepathy and psychic, Magneto does similarly, but he also has the control of magnetic fields, metal, anything related to that. Um, interesting enough, I'm reading here, he is being compared to Malcolm X and the Jewish Defense League founder, Meyer Kahane. I'm probably messing that name up. So... Obviously, he was a character to be reckoned with, but he wasn't necessarily a bad guy. He was more, I put him on the list of scary because he knew what he was doing and did it anyway, as I think you might have mentioned a little bit back. Yeah. Um, so it's weird to put him on the list because before we went on to record, I said he's one of those good guy, bad guys because there's been many times where Magneto had to work with the good guys and wanted to and whatever. And then he goes, okay, I did, I did my thing. Now I'm going to be bad again. So right. I don't know. This one's hard. This one, we have to put him on there. He's obviously one of the scariest villains they have, but it's hard to explain why when you really look at his personality. So I don't know. I mean, without going, you know, obviously we can talk for hours on it. I would say what would be the one, one specific time where he showed his true villainy scare factor 
when he pulled the adamantium out of every opening and pore in Logan's body. I thought you were going to pull that one out. That is just, I mean, just in terms of just visually, it's the most, it's the most stunning of just the type of, um, I'm trying to think of the word. It's just, it's, it's just, oh, it's just torture. It's just like, he's just deriving this sick pleasure out of, out of just torturing him. I mean, there have been times like Magneto has, has sunk um, Russian submarines filled with sailors who just, just went to their death. He's, he's callously murdered people before. But just the mere fact, just that sixth sense of satisfaction that you finally put Wolverine down, and that's how you do it in the most painful way possible. That's probably the best I could have described it, honestly. I mean, I know that sounds sarcastic, but actually it's true. Um, I mean, I guess he proves he can do it just to prove he can do it. I don't, you know, Ian McKellen did a good job, but at the same time, Ian McKellen portrayed him more human, humanely. Yeah. And it was hard to get a bad feeling from him other than, you know, when he would say, let's kill all the humans, which obviously was very rude. Um, but it's, I don't know. I, th- I think it's kind of like, it's similar to the Jean, Jean Grey thing when she's Dark Phoenix. He's, he's not, he was never, he's not a, he's not their a friend. He's not a good guy, but he helps them and he wants to help them, but he's also evil. So it's like, you trust him, you don't trust him. Xavier's the only one that really knows him. Like, you know, Xavier's the only one that could literally stare, go off in a staring contest and not look away because, you know, he knows Magneto won't do anything to him and vice wow. versa because, you know, they're, they're buddies. But anybody else who looks at him, you either see him bad for killing people or you see him good for, I don't know, trying to be moral. Even when he's not, like... Yeah, and that's the thing. I, you know, I brought up a couple of times how, like, Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister were the dominant X-Men villains in the 80s. And it was because X, uh, Magneto had joined the team. He took over for Xavier. Um, oh, that's right. And, I remember, yeah. And that's, yeah. The thing with Magneto that makes him such a compelling villain, just in general, is that you can kind of understand where he's coming from. Humanity made him do it. You know, and you, you brought up the whole thing. He's a Holocaust survivor. Right. You know, he was, you know, he was treated less than human. And because he realized he was superior to them in terms of his abilities and everything like that, it just, you know, you can't condone it, but you can completely understand where he's coming from. Right. And it's, just, it's, it's, he is such a fascinating character. And I have to say, I do love at least the first two movies, uh, Michael Fassbender. Um, his Magneto in X-Men First Class is just, it's just, just textbook. He's so good at doing this. It's almost all about revenge. It's almost all about getting all those guards that, um, you know, responsible for his mother's death and everything during the beginning of the movie and then finally finding a place with the X-Men and then having to, realize that he is better than the humanity that Xavier is trying to save. And it's just such a, God, I want to want to go watch uh, first class now. Oh God, I love that movie. <laughs> go view it. Right. But um, yeah, I have it on my iTunes music. So I, or my iTunes movies, which I barely use. So, uh, right. I have all these movies that I got and I don't touch the app. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a good, good use of money on my part. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, actually, that's a great way to end it off because I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, we we tried to, we specified scary, and that was the, the thematic role of this. But generally, a good villain is one that makes you think. Um, Marvel, DC, Image, most of the comics have thought-provoking villains, whether or not they're portrayed well. That's up to the people making the character. That's, you know, whatever. But um, I think what makes a good, com- at least a comic book villain, because we know we're nerds. We don't want to talk about other stuff. Nerd, nerdy stuff. Comic book villain 
is something that makes you think. Um, and at the end of the book or the movie or the show, you go, hmm, interesting. You don't actually have to agree or disagree. You don't have to hate him or like them, hate them or like them. Um, you just have to kind of be like, hmm, okay, I believe it. I'll buy it. Um, and that's what I think the, the, the moral of this, this top 10 list was, or best of list, was just picking out characters that were, in this case, scary, but were really good at what they did, what their job description was. Yes, absolutely. And that's it's part of what makes great villains, you know? And there's, we could probably do a best of of the worst villains in history and Stiltman would take up at least three of those spots. But these oh, guys sure. here, they're gold. They're all gold. These are all gold. And like, uh, like uh, Andy said multiple times, um, find the books, find the shows, find the movies. I mean, watch whatever media you want. Obviously, we have our preferences of what we want, but check them out. Find these characters, see them in different forms. I personally, if I'm going to recommend anything for this recommendation, I would say the original animated series because I think it has pretty much all of these guys in there, at least in some form, maybe minus one or two. Um, it, compounds, so it, it does a great job of just giving you the meat and potatoes of the stories, whereas you right. know the comic books, yeah, there's a lot of minutia that's that's built in between them. But yeah, the the the, the animated series did a great job, uh, really boiling it down just to you know boiling it down to its base. Uh, but X Men, out of any of these movie superheroes, X Men is the one that really benefits from reading those comic books, though. It really truly does. So then you can get angry about what they did with some of these movies. <laughs> All right, cool. So my recommendation is the cartoon. His is going to be the old school comics. Yes. Um, what? Sorry, what's the app you use again? Marvel. Oh, Marvel Unlimited. Unlimited. Marvel um, Unlimited. So yeah. So if you guys go out, I know it costs. I don't know how much it is now. Um, it's like is ten dollars a month, but it's like I think a hundred thousand different Marvel comic books. Okay, not bad, not bad. And they, they update it, right? They add new ones, correct? It's always updated, and you can get... I mean, usually it's about a six-month build-out before um, the new stuff comes in. Okay. But if you're, doing, you're playing the ultimate game of catch-up like I am, it's perfect. All right, guys. So if you want to do what he's doing and catch up, go download it. I believe it's in the iTunes and the Android App Store. So it yep. should work on both phones. And I think you can do it on the computer as well. Um, I don't remember though for sure, but for sure, go find the apps. Um, go find the cartoon. I believe you can, well, you can probably find it on YouTube for sure. Um, I don't know if any of the streaming services have them right now, but when Disney Plus comes out, I have a feeling they might show some of these old cartoons. So if you guys can wait till November, you might be able to watch the shows uh, on that if you don't want to buy them on DVD or digital. Um, cool. Um, well, Again, awesome for having, or thank you, uh, I can speak, I swear. Awesome to have you on the show today, that's what oh, I Oh, mean. thank you so much again for having me. This is, uh, it's, always a, it's always a fun time being on this. It's always nice being able to kind of like trade off on our nerdy traits. It's, it's really nice because there's not just one nerd personality. We all have different types of personalities in our nerddom, and uh, it's always great to bounce ideas off of, of other people. It's fantastic, thank you. Oh, for sure. And I will have you on again and again until we die. So you are stuck on this forever. Yeah. Um, I'm already beyond middle age. So, uh, yeah, I'll be soon. Oh, there you go. So you don't have much more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, all right. So like we said at the beginning, Geek Salad can be found on pretty much all the platforms out there. I will yep. link this up. You can uh, also check us out, by the way. Our full archive is at geeksalad.podbean.com. Um, that is all the episodes, not just like the last year's worth which will be on Spotify and iTunes and, and yada, yada. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So I will make sure to put that link up on the podcast. Um, as always, my stuff will be there too if you haven't already. Uh, live events are going to be starting soon, so crossing fingers if you guys are in the Ventura County area. And for those of my guests who aren't in the area, I'm definitely going to have them be live via like video. So I'm sure I'll have you come do some stuff with us video-wise. I would love to. And then, um, what was I going to say? Uh, my podcast come out. We do um, two episodes uploaded every Monday. So I upload them to, obviously, anchor.fm, which is my podcast source. And they bring everything out for iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, all that cool shit. Um, 
And let me see. Am I missing anything? I don't think so. So um, cool. This was fun. Yeah. Go watch X-Men or read X-Men or whatever the hell you want to do. Just just make it an X-Men night. X-Men night. I think that's what we'll do. We'll do a X-Men marathon one of these days and do like a live stream of X-Men. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have the energy to do that, honestly. There's too much content on there. I'm like, I would be in bed after the first like two books. I'm like, I'm tired. My brain hurts. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> All right, guys, so for Andy at Geek Salad, this is Robert R.G. Altered Universe. I swear I can speak. I swear. As always, stay nerdy.